This is the Doctor Who podcast, and you are most welcome. Welcome to another episode of the Doctor Who Podcast, a very special release from the DWP Camper Van this time round. Um, you might have enjoyed our little bit of fun a few days ago where we uh, inadvertently, accidentally released a uh, time-warped version of episode 543 hmm. of the Doctor Who Podcast. I hope you had a bit of a giggle with that and enjoyed it. We certainly had a lot of fun putting it together. What we've been able to do with, with the generous help of the fantastic bods over at the DWO Who Cast is to release an episode of their podcast, basically where it all began. In our episode 543, our April Fool's podcast, we were basically building on an April Fool's podcast that we put together back when James and myself and Marty were over at the DWO WhoCast. What we're going to present for you here today is the original April Fool's recording from that DWO WhoCast episode that uh, our own April Fool's episode was based on it's really difficult actually to try and introduce this because i automatically want to go into improvisation straight away and say yes jason it's wonderful to discuss <laughs> all of this kind of stuff with you season 15 and make up actors names who played the doctor but yeah this is where it all started and it was in 2009 i believe trevor that mm. you and marty had the idea of just recording a review of a fictitious episode of Doctor Who and and make it up as you go along and somehow it seems to have developed a bit of a cult following Uh, at Gallifrey this year we had some ribbons that said Spume of Destiny and you'd be surprised at the amount of people who came up and said can I have a ribbon a spume I remember spume all those years (laughs) ago so it was it was kind of the motivation really I mean we always had the idea that we might record a sequel to it with the current DWP lineup but I think the reaction at Gallifrey just cemented the idea and uh, it was a lot of fun to record and and, and now listeners you get to hear what started it all and hopefully um, we won't have to do this again. (laughs) And now we present the DWO WhoCast episode all the way back from 2009, The Spume of Destiny. And this is the WhoCast brought to you by Time Lord Magazine, episode 354. Hello and welcome to this edition of the WhoCast, um, celebrating almost five years of me um, presenting <laughs> oh, the show. Well, very, <laughs> very much so. But I think more importantly too, it's also celebrating um, the, the end of what's been a very, very exciting Doctor Who season. Um, you know, we're now coming to the end of season nine. Just, mm. just last Saturday night we saw um, the first part of the very exciting two-part finale for this season spume of destiny and uh, and of course it's been five years for you but of course we're coming to the end of a very exciting doctor who season oh god did you they, well, that was um a very annoying cliffhanger oh, <laughs> so i was screaming screaming at the telly it was oh. where's the next bit that's what you want where's the next bit i know i know but and next week can't <laughs> come soon enough really oh. <laughs> But we're going to be reviewing the uh, the penultimate episode to Series 9, and as well as covering all the latest news. Um, Marty's got a very exciting interview with... Um, who have you got the interview with? I've got a, a writer, a new writer of the new series, um, who uh, might be familiar to listeners' ears, but I think I'll um, keep that under wraps until a bit later. Ooh, Bring that sizzle, sizzle, sizzle. <laughs> the anticipation. And of course... Our regular correspondent, James, will be uh, popping in to give us a review of one of the latest Big Finish audios um, with the curious title of Wink. 
So I'm wondering whether it's got any little ties into the, uh, you know, one of the older uh, David Tennant stories, Blink. I wonder whether it does or not. We'll just have to listen to what James says about it and uh, find out, I suppose. But yes, I think it's time to get into the news. Well, hot off the presses, uh, Hannah Murray, the 11th Doctor's first regular companion, has been signed up to appear in even more episodes alongside the new 12th Doctor, which starts filming in uh, February next year. Now, of course, at this stage, we don't know who the 12th Doctor is going to be, but we are promised that it's going to be a very different relationship with the incoming Doctor um, as compared to what Hannah had with uh, the Matt Smith Doctor. Her return and subsequent actions in the forthcoming two-part season finale that sees an end to Matt Smith's mighty reign will have serious repercussions for how the Doctor views and interacts with humans from now on. Mm. Mm. Well, I think we're seeing that already a little bit, aren't we? That's with got the, a lot uh, to answer spume for. of destiny, aren't we? That we're, yeah. we're seeing the way the uh, Doctor treats his friends or his supposed friends and uh, treats his companions. Um, and of course, we've seen over the last four years of of the eleventh Doctor the uh, callous way that he treats his so called friends. So, uh, mm, so it will be very interesting to see how Hannah survives uh, the eleventh Doctor, and then uh, what happens with the twelfth Doctor. Uh, I suppose in Easter next year when we finally see uh, season ten. So we've got a bit of news there about to entertain, I believe. Uh, Yes, uh, to, to entertain, um, this situation is still ongoing, uh, to entertain have issued a statement about future releases, future DVD releases under the uh, new terms of contract in, in light of legal problems after the BBC were forced to uh, sell the rights to Doctor Who. Mm, wasn't that a dark uh, day? Wasn't that a dark day? <laughs> Was there a forum meltdown? <laughs> well, <laughs> I tell you, I mean, if, if there's something that's going to get Doctor Who fans... Riled is is having a series that's been on the BBC for over forty years, suddenly getting unceremoniously yanked away from the original station due to a court mm. battle, no less. I mean, not through just a simple sale, but um, some judge in a powdered wig decided that uh, you know the BBC no longer had rights to Doctor Who and they had to go to ITV. Obviously, wasn't a fan. Very, very strange. Yes. Um, they, their statement that they've uh, put out there says that anything that was first broadcast on the BBC remains their property. Obviously, they they have the right to pull all DVDs off the shelves uh, should they yeah, should they so wish. Negotiations between the BBC and the Lost Bearings production company that are now in charge of producing the show for ITV are ongoing, but it is looking likely that future releases will be put on hold for now until matters can be resolved. Um, so we've still got no. Mm. It doesn't look good for the uh, DVD releases, does it? I mean, I know that um, that they stopped producing the Blu-ray releases about two years ago because nobody was buying the things. Mm-hmm. And uh, soon after that, Blu-ray pretty much disappeared from our shelves. And uh, even though DVD is still there, I mean, we've got this worrying problem with the rights. And, uh, I mean, it's it's pretty sad that we haven't had a Doctor Who release for over six months now due yeah. to this uh, legal tussle. Oh, I hope that resolves soon. <laughs> I hope so, because, I mean, there's there's still plenty of, uh, I suppose, classic series DVDs that we haven't seen yet. I mean, uh, we haven't seen the release of uh, many of the uh, Pertwee stories on DVD yet, which which mm. is a big shame. It's 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 unfortunate, too, because, I mean, the Who actors and crew aren't, aren't getting any younger. We've, we've really got to start releasing some of these DVDs, I suppose, because, you know, many of these... Wonderful cast and crew w- won't be with us much longer, I don't think. No, they're cracking on a bit now. So, um, mm, yeah, mm. well, fingers crossed. Hugo nominations, I believe, mate. Gosh, yes, um, we've got another, just just the one Doctor Who episode, uh, back from season eight, uh, Terror of the Crotons, um, has been uh, nominated for the uh, 2014 Hugo nominations, um, which is um, it's another Stephen Moffat story, which was... I think justified. Well, I I think they just must look at anything which has Stephen Moffat <laughs> as the writer and automatically, you know, sort of nominate him for a Hugo because I mean it happened two years ago with that one from season six, didn't it? Um, oh, which one was that? That follow up to um, that two part of Science. Oh, the that was that was Moffat as well, wasn't it? Mm, it 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 was. He uh, finally returned to the uh, 
library from the was it the uh, fourth series I believe or the third Something series. Something like so long ago now. <laughs> mm, I know it's ages. It's the time ago, gone. But um, <laughs> we're not getting any younger ourselves, are we? Really? Um, but yeah, no. Fantastic news that uh, Stephen has been nominated for yet another Hugo. So I suppose his mantelpiece will be getting very, very crowded soon. Yeah, if not already. Um, what, what's happening in, in your neck of the woods, Trev? Is there something exciting? Well, um, actually, I was lucky enough to have a bit of a set visit um, to the production of the new canine movie, which is actually filming here mm-hmm. in Brisbane. Um, as, as, as you all know, the production company behind the canine TV series is actually based in Brisbane, and it was a big coup for them to get the canine movie actually filmed down at their local uh, Warner Brothers studios. And um, we'll be having an interview with uh, some of the cast and crew in an upcoming episode. But, um, yes, the uh, canine movie is just around the corner. Well, how, so, how wrong were um, we about that? Do you remember um, when it was first put forward and we saw the initial pictures? Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we, we saw the awful images and we made jokes and all that sort of stuff. How, how many hats have we eaten in, in, uh, well, in, in our humble... <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. I mean, the, this the canine series blew us out oh, of the water, yeah. didn't it? I mean, we've we've been saying year after year after year just how good it was getting, and yeah, we we've had to eat crow on many occasions. Absolutely, I suppose. Yes. that's um, an ongoing backpedal <laughs> for that. <laughs> <laughs> A five-year backpedal from the Hookast team. <laughs> But yeah, so um, I'm, I'm actually holding out high hopes for the canine movie because, of course, we'll get a nice big budget and um, hopefully the uh, story by Terence Dix, which was the last script that he submitted before he went into hospital, um, will be up to muster, I suppose, and you know we should get a good movie out of it. Fingers crossed. Loads of uh, spoilers being leaked out, which I won't mention, obviously. Um, and there's, there's some interesting things going to going to happen um if any of those are true so um, yes yeah yes. i think you know what I'm, I'm referring to so i better leave it there <laughs> yes yeah we don't want to ruin too much for you out there guys and girls but um speaking of rumors the uh, daily mirror has reported some new casting rumors surrounding the master who was expected to die or regenerate um alongside matt smith's doctor in the season nine finale next week um, uh, apparently Paul McGann has been seen around the production office sporting a very uncharacteristic goatee. Interesting. So is he making a guest appearance or are, are they doing something really weird and making um, Paul McGann the master? From the season seven episode, he was seen as the 13th Doctor. Um, just briefly in oh, the... Oh, uh, yes. In the kind of flashback, flash-forward sequence. That's thing. right, yes. Trying trying to tie in the whole Valyard thing, I suppose, weren't Could they? Could be. So, ah, maybe it's the Valyard then. Not well, the, I suppose uh, it's not without precedent. I mean, remember years ago, uh, Tom Baker was quite vocal in saying that um, if the production office asked him, he, he would love to return as a villain. I mean, they never took him up on the uh, offer, which was probably a good thing, but... Um, it, it certainly wouldn't be, you know, beyond the wilds of fancy for uh, Paul McGann to find some way back into the series, not as the Doctor, but as the Master. That would be interesting. Well, let's let's um, mm. see what happens. Mm. Now, um, if you have the UK version of iTunes, they've added some more um, Season 8 Eleventh Doctor stories to the catalogue, um, hot on the heels of the uh, complete release of Season 7 on the iTunes store and you can get some wonderful stories like the New Mutants, the Death Doctors, uh, Carnival of Masters, Terror of the Crotons, which we've talked about already, yeah. Time Walker, and um, one of my favourites from Season 8, The Blue Death. Yes, that, that caused a bit of, uh, bit of outcry. <laughs> mm, good outcry, though, good outcry. But yeah, it's, it changed things slightly for me then. I think, but I think it was it was solid. Um, you mm. are you are right to like it, Trev. I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know we had a bit of a disagreement when when it came out last year or the year before, but um, it it certainly showed that we here at the Hookast Caravan were certainly very divided on our opinion of that story. But uh, now you can check yeah. it out for yourself on the UK version. 
of the iTunes store and, of course, now provided um, via some weird arrangement with the BBC and ITV. Um, I'm not exactly sure how that works, but no. as long as it works and you can go grab them and pay £6.99 a story, then uh, go and do it now. Go and get them in your interface. <laughs> well, that's certainly a chocker bit of news desk there, I think, uh, Marty. It's time to move yeah. on to uh, what I've been looking forward to, talking about um, the Spume of Destiny, Season 9's penultimate episode. Let's get into it. But we'll never see eye to eye over the Blue Death. Oh, <laughs> that's right. It'll be a constant <laughs> bone of contention between us, won't it? <laughs> Oh, well, spume of destiny. Oh, my goodness. I mean, we've we've had a very, very, um, I suppose, tumultuous season this year. Um, um, I mean, we knew at the beginning of the year that season nine would be Matt Smith's last. I mean, he, he wanted to move into movies and he's now been offered a part in one of the latest Spielberg films. So I suppose it was inevitable that we're now moving down the track of... Um, Matt Smith moving on, Matt Smith regenerating into the Twelfth Doctor, but at this stage, of course, we don't know who that's going to be. And um, Spume of Destiny is is starting to set up all the little threads and stuff that I, I presume will be resolved in the um, season finale next week. Absolutely, um, I, I think the the anticipation for the, for the new Doctor has, has been building so much that you know the. Rumours have been going off off the scale for this one, and um, I think kudos to ITV for being able to keep a secret. Mm. Um, mm. Back in oh, back was it five years ago now when uh, when Matt Smith came in? They they announced two thousand and nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where was I then? Yep. Um, well, in advance of of his his first appearance, they they announced him. Um, I still don't know if, if that was a good thing, maybe because it was such a left field casting because he was so young at the time, and 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 unknown really. I mean, I I think this yeah. is perfect. I mean, I said at the time back when Matt Smith was announced, I don't want to know who the next Doctor is. I mean, I I would like to be able to tune into the episode and be totally surprised as to who he regenerates into. Um, well, that's what we're going to get. That's what we're going to get. I mean, whether we like it or not. <laughs> Matt Smith will regenerate into. I, I think the money at the moment is on uh, comedian Dylan Moran, the grandson of Alec Guinness. Uh, Joseph Guinness is mm. uh, is is hot on the money, and and there's even been talk of a uh, Ray Fiennes taking on the role. <laughs> I don't think that will happen. <laughs> yeah, I suppose they have to have some weird one in there each time, don't they? <laughs> to try yeah. and throw you off the scent, but. Uh, Stephen Moffat, the executive producer, has said that they are definitely going for an older Doctor this time, that they want to return to the, I suppose, family feel of the TARDIS, that the that the companion roster is actually going to expand, that we're not just going to have one Doctor and one companion. We're going to have a Doctor and multiple companions in the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. And it's really going to, I suppose, evoke that feel of the uh, Davison era or even the Pertwee era, where it seemed like a big family was in or around the TARDIS. But yes, this episode, shall we? <laughs> I think we should talk about the episode, shouldn't we? Yes. <laughs> what what has happened since oh, the the it's been it's been a fantastic arc building throughout this this season. I, I think. Oh. Um, Can we really call suffered. it an arc, though? I mean, uh, I mean, there's been fan speculation about what this whole season has been leading to, but let's let's look at some of the things that have happened this season. Okay. The 11th Doctor being put on trial for his life um, when he visited Neptune in mm-hmm. the second story. Yeah. Uh, the aborted regeneration attempt in the fifth story. The mm-hmm. brand new TARDIS that we got um, in the seventh story after the destruction of the original Type 40 from the uh, season eight story Tryon. Yes. Well, it's it's actually been really interesting because ever since that was destroyed, he's basically not had the TARDIS for, I, I suppose, close to seven or eight stories, hasn't he? That he's yeah. pretty much been travelling on on cargo ships and you know bicycles and cars and stuff like that. That he hasn't had that TARDIS to rely upon. Um, they, they did a, a similar thing with uh, the Eighth Doctor in in the books. I, I recall they they got rid mm, of the TARDIS for mm. for a while. 
That's um, right. Yeah. I, I hated it. <laughs> the the TARDIS is as part as much part of Doctor Who as the Doctor himself. To have not have the TARDIS uh, is. But you uh, are on record as having liked what they've done with the I suppose TARDISless Doctor this time, aren't you? Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but they have done it right this time. But anyway, we're getting totally off the point here. What what yes. really threw me for six this episode, the spume of destiny, was Rose's baby Susan. The revelation I mean, of the name. Wow. I mean, if if there's a more amazing last five minutes of any episode, I'd like to see it because... Um, it just throws up so many questions and so many possibilities for the season finale that, I mean, we'd need a five-hour podcast just, just to cover them. Is Rose's baby Susan the same Susan that travels with the first Doctor, i.e. his granddaughter? Um, Smart money, is it? Is the father of Susan the human 10th Doctor that we saw... Um, Many many years ago, the 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 one that went with Rose to the alternate universe, um, my 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 mind is just spinning with all these possibilities um, uh, about what's going to happen. And of course, the episode didn't resolve them because the, um, one of the last scenes has the uh, John Sims Master throwing Rose's baby into the gravity well, and the uh, Doctor diving after her, firing his energy weapon to speed up his descent so he could try and save her. Um, oh, incredible! Tense. I mean, there's very oh, tense. There's, there's, there's Matt, Matt's acting in that. Did you um, when when the the baby's name was shouted at him across the the pit where the gravity well is? His his face just for a moment of confusion and then realization, and then having to dive straight in while he was trying to assimilate that information. Mm. Very tense. It's 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 amazing. I love that sort of stuff where. They do those sort of revelations and it has ramifications all the way back through the Doctor's time stream because mm-hmm. just that whole revelation about Susan has really thrown up the possibility of who really is Susan. And it really looks like the Matt Smith Doctor, one of his final acts, is going to be delivering this young Susan to the first Doctor in some way. I mean, did you get that impression when you saw the uh, Doctor's ring on the... Uh, on the um, uh, a console of the TARDIS there at the beginning of the episode that they were sort of hinting that there was going to be something to do with the first Doctor and Susan. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't um, pick that up the first first time I watched it. I think someone mentioned it on on the um, on the forum. Um, I had to go back in and have a look at it. It's, it's been um, such a long time since I've seen any first Doctor episodes. I had to go back as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Making more work for me. Thanks. <laughs> it's, it's one of those small touches, I think, that um, Doctor Who in the last couple of years has really excelled about. It's, it's introduced stuff from the classic series that's not blatantly obvious, mm. but, but rewards the very, I suppose, devoted fan. And having the first Doctor's ring there on the TARDIS console just as a very casual type of, you know, sort of set dressing, wouldn't mean anything to someone who didn't know what it was. But to anyone Absolutely. who's familiar with the series, they go, ah, yeah, that's I think the, what um, could be the, happening. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the also the um, cause, um, Matt's Doctor has, has met up with um, previous incarnations of, of the Doctor, more more so than, um, you know, any, anyone else has really uh, since, well, Eccleston and, and Tennant didn't really. No. Apart from that no. like one special that Tennant was with Peter Davison. That's right. The uh, yeah. uh, uh, time crash. Yes. That's it. But we've see, yeah. seen um, seen Matt's Doctor visit past in- incarnations um, in passing, and he's seen um, a future one, the Paul McGann, um, allegedly, if, if that was natural, mm. <laughs> if that mm. wasn't a dream. So maybe that that was a kind of uh, leading us up to the event where he could actually cross his own timeline and meet up with a previous self and sort of create the loop um, in in time by delivering oh, the Susan back. Wow. I, I I can hardly wait for the final episode because I'm I'm getting visions of a similar scene at the end of Star Wars Re- Revenge of the Sith, where the baby Luke Skywalker was delivered to his family on Tatooine. I'm I'm getting really similar images that it's going to happen 
that way in Doctor Who, that Matt Smith in some way, whether it's in secret or whether it's totally blatant, mm-hmm. that he's going to be delivering this infant child, Susan, to the first Doctor in some way, and he's going to adopt her basically as um, his granddaughter to sort of hide her, I suppose. Very, very could, similar sort of Star Wars um, yeah. feeling. I was wondering what the, uh, the the gravity well on on Gallifrey that they've just actually fallen into might have to do with that. That could um, have some link back to the Doctor's past on Gallifrey. Um, I'm wondering whether it's more than a gravity well because I mean we are on Gallifrey in this episode, yeah. so I mean we've only been told that it's something to do with gravity. Maybe there's a time element in there somewhere as well. I I could don't be. know. Oh God. When's Saturday? It's too far away. Oh, we need to find out what's happening. It's too far away. It's, I mean, it's, it's really been fascinating. I mean, I watched this episode and then I sat down and actually thought about the last four years of Matt Smith as a Doctor and, mm. and just see how wrong we were back when he was announced as the Doctor. Um, that, that, that shock of floppy hair that he has that got fans so excited about his alternative feel I yeah. mean, th- this year it was totally shaven back and we get a close-cropped, almost uh, Christopher Eccleston hairdo this year. Um, I mean, that makes him look a bit like a criminal, really, to me. Um, his his cavalier attitude to all those around him was already seen the death of one companion, Alexander, and the total abandonment of the other companion, Jessica, to the uh, deadly clutches of the mortophone. I mean, the, mm. uh, do- the doctor preferred instead to... Uh, turn tail and flee rather than try and save his companion. I mean, just how different was that to what we were thinking the Doctor was going to be like back in 2009? Wow. Absolutely. I think we've got a a more thought-provoking Doctor rather than an action hero now. um, They've toned down the action even when it it moved to to ITV and then they had to pick up the pace and have like mini cliffhangers before the advert breaks. Um, mm. if, if you watch um, if you watch it in in one episode without the breaks, it it does actually feel a lot tighter, a lot more. It's a lot better packed, really, um, episodes than than we've seen from the BBC. Um, yeah, well, they're um, they're they're certainly paced very differently, and 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 I really mm. got that feeling with this episode that we're talking about. Um, that you watch it and you really feel that it's been designed. I mean, it's, it, it seems to be the first episode this season that's really been designed to allow properly for those ad breaks that ITV, of course, has to put in. Yeah. Um, most of them seem to end with the master sort of looking at the screen and uh, grinning inanely a lot. But um, it really seems to have been written and filmed and directed knowing that they have to have those ad breaks every, you know, five or ten minutes, I suppose. That's, that's another thing you've uh, just mentioned there, that the Master um, is such a, a regular a villain of the piece. It um, reminds me a lot. I think you mentioned something earlier um, in the previous episode about you know the similarity between that and the Peter Davison era. Oh, um, we're with with Anthony Ainley's uh, master. Anthony Ainley, yeah, that's, yeah. That's well, I mean, we're um, we're we're getting back to what it used to be back in the eighties, where the master used to return to to face the Doctor, and there was absolutely no explanation as to how he survived the uh, previous story. <laughs> no. I mean, remember season seven's multi arc story, uh, Western Times, yes, which which showed the master's body being torn apart by the destructive force of his own spider weapon. Mm-hmm. But here he is back at the end of season nine with a plot that almost seems, I suppose, trivial with, with, a, with a master plan that doesn't really seem particularly masterly to uh, steal the daughter of Rose for, for reasons that have yet to be satisfactorily explained. Oh, Although a, I'm, a panto villain. Very much so, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I mean we've always seen, I suppose... Glimmers of that, especially when he was in um, stories like The Sound of Drums back in uh, Tennant's era, mm-hmm. that he was very much panto, very much song and dance. But I think John Sims has been given just a little bit too much directorial freedom in this story because, yeah. I mean, he, he, he does everything short of twirling a moustache, which, which, of course, he doesn't have. <laughs> <laughs> no. If if he had a go to, then then maybe it, it, I might have um, enjoyed him more. So I I used to really enjoy anything that that John Sim did. Um, now now I'm getting a little 
kind of uh, a little tired ex- of it. Yeah, a little exhausted. Yeah. My, my yeah. legs have just slide off him now. Maybe he's returned once too often. The uh, Stephen Moffat production team are perhaps using him just a little bit too much, like he was used during the uh, Davison era, probably a little bit to excess. Yeah, um, but just because they can, so they will. Yeah, pretty much. You know, you know, we need a villain. You know, we need someone instantly recognisable. Okay, let let's bring back John Sims. He's not really doing anything now, so you mm-hmm. know, we'll bring him back as the master. So, um, hopefully, this time we'll see the end of the master because, I mean, like we said in the news, um, it looks like this will be the end for the master as well as the eleventh uh, incarnation of the Doctor. Intrigue. Intrigue. We have lots of intrigue, very few answers, um, lots and lots of questions that will hopefully be resolved in a very few short days' time. Um, ITV, don't you dare delay it again for soccer like you did last time. We need that season finale. (laughs) We need it. (laughs) Could you imagine? I I don't think they'd they'd live to see Sunday. <laughs> oh, there, there there would be revolts in the streets. I tell you, if if, if they delayed it lot like they did last year for those four stories, it it would be absolutely terrible. But absolutely. Um, okay, well let's 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 all look forward to next week when ITV shows with very prompt assuredness at seven pm um, the season finale for season nine, which appropriately is called the final. Mm. Let's look out for that. So what would you give the Spume of Destiny out of 10, Marty? I would give it a 8, I think. Only let you know, let down slightly by the um by the John John Sim um master. Uh, nothing nothing against John Sim. It's just, you know, as I said, overused. Uh, mm. they, they they could have done something a, a lot different. They could have built up his the arc of his character better. Uh, I think they've let us down slightly there. So eight from me. Well, I'll I'll give it nine merely because I never really minded the Anthony Ainley Master turning up all the time during the Davison era. So I, I don't really mind that much. I suppose uh, John Sims turning up because he's a good actor. So yeah. As far as I'm concerned, you know, bring him on. But hopefully this will be the end for him. So nine out of ten from me. Okay, eight and a half. <laughs> <laughs> we'll meet in the middle. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's our thoughts on Spume of Destiny. Um, please, if if you guys and girls out there have any thoughts, then uh, please send it in via the uh, normal contact avenues, which we will uh, remind you of at the end of the episode. And uh, we hope we can devote an episode very soon to your feedback on uh, this incredible episode. All right, well, coming up next is uh, James's uh, Big Finish review. He, he loves his Big Finish, and uh, I had a bit of a listen to this one earlier in the day, and he really loves this one. The, the episode is called Wink, and have a listen to what James thought about this story. Hello there, this is James once again, this time reviewing a highly anticipated Big Finish audio play that's been authored by former showrunner Russell T Davis and is also particularly notable because it's the first play that features Christopher Eccleston's Doctor. So is this highly, highly anticipated play any good? Well, as in most Russell T Davis scripts, the answer is yes and no. The monsters, I think, are absolutely inspired and they come across incredibly well on audio. The premise being that they creep up on their victims and the victims have just a slight inkling that something's entering their peripheral vision. And the only way in which they can block out and stop the attack, which eventually renders them totally paralysed and quite statuesque, is to wink. Hence the reason why this particular play is called Wink. And I think it works really well. It's a highly novel idea, and I can't think of another story in a Doctor Who's canon whereby such a gesture like winking has ever been used to such great effect. And as per usual, Davis is coming up with something absolutely unique once again, and I think that's all to his credit. Now, the elements of this story that are not particularly good... Well, yes, Ronnie Corbett's casting in the 2009 Sarah Jane Smith special 
was absolutely inspired and it worked perfectly. I'm not so sure if it works having him as a narrator on this particular story. You just can't get over the idea of Ronnie Corbett sitting in his big black mastermind-like chair telling you stories and he's got such a unique voice here then I'm, I'm not sure whether you can really take it seriously and this is a very serious script so I'm not sure whether or not he was the best choice. However, once again, Katie Price, as the new companion to Christopher Eccleston's Doctor, was again something that people really were a bit scared of. And as with Billy Piper's casting back in 2005, there really was very little to worry about. She is an absolutely superb actress. How anyone can just write her off because she's presented just one or two points of her personality in the past and make a judgment on that is beyond me. Having said that, she does run around this particular story a great deal with two whopping great tissue compression eliminators um, and they've been adapted into some kind of firearm. Now the story itself resembles many other Russell T Davis scripts. It's earthbound and it involves an awful lot of people eating chips. It conjures up images of previous RTD storylines and notice I say storylines because Russell T Davis obviously has got more than one different storyline in his canon and I, I think it's quite clever the way it's the same and yet slightly different and that's something that no other writer within Doctor Who has been able to master just yet. One final mention about this story, and that's the score. Big Finish have had a lot of success employing Gareth Gates in the past. Um, they even commissioned their own composer in the past to come up with some brand new songs that feature in some of their plays. The use of Take That, however, I'm not sure was particularly clever. In such an important release, it just feels like absolutely everything has been thrown at this story, and it doesn't quite feel as if you can appreciate every single level at once, certainly not on first listen, and ultimately you do wonder whether or not someone, for instance, like Stephen Moffat would have done a better job with it. Anyway, despite the negatives, I would suggest that you do go out and get this play. It's highly, highly original. It's a landmark in Big Finish's series, and I, for one, look forward to Russell T. Davis' next script. So to sign off with a catchphrase of this play without spoiling the story at all for you whatsoever, don't wink. Don't even wink. Wink, and you're dead. Well, there was James with Wink. Thank you very much, James. Always a pleasure. I hope you're coping with the uh, new fangled format that they're bringing out these big Finnish audios in now. Those, those little, um, what do they call them? Data disc cubes or something now, whatever they call them. Uh, yeah, we, we pronounce it data. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's an Australian thing. <laughs> I mean, they've stopped those awful CD releases now, and they, they, you know, they finally moved into, I suppose, the late noughties with these uh, data disc cubes, which, which you can get via the Big Finish website. And, of course, you can, get, you can still get the old-fashioned downloads via um, MP3 if you want, but I think they're even phasing them out very soon. So uh, get them while you can. Thanks, James. Absolutely. Thank you, James. Okay, and now I had uh, the very, very great pleasure of um, having a chat with um, a, ooh, a familiar, a familiar voice for, from our past, um, who's actually um, going to be writing a lot more for the for the twelfth Doctor, the um, season season ten uh, coming up next year. Um, I'll say no more, and I'll let him introduce himself. Hello, this is Marty from the DWO WhoCast, sponsored by Time Lord magazine. It's my very great pleasure today to be interviewing an old friend of ours, a familiar voice to many of our listeners, and our man on the inside. Welcome, welcome to... It is important to note that at the time of the recording, both Kev and Marty were unaware that the interview was going to get pulled. And as a result of hearing the interview previously... Their lives would now be in enormous Thank you, thank you, thank you. Wonderful to talk to you again. Wish you every luck with your future career. But now, as they say, back to the studio. 
Wasn't he frustratingly obtuse and vague about what's happening in season 10? Isn't that annoying? You ask him a direct question and you say, tell us what's happening in the season 10 opener. And, oh, no. and he there's, rambles there's no, and no rambles. concession for friendship, is there? <laughs> <laughs> you think he's been on the show often enough, he'd give us just a little tidbit, but no. <laughs> oh, blast it. But thank you, sir. That was well. brilliant. It was lovely catching up with you again. Now, yes. can you get us on set, please? <laughs> <laughs> yes, the canine movie isn't enough. I want to come on the uh, season 10 Doctor Who set and speak to this new Doctor, whoever they may be. Well, just one bit of listener feedback this episode. Um, Tom from London has uh, written to us with a little bit of a question about some of the stuff that's been going on in uh, this very exciting season nine, the, uh, the, the, the last season with Matt Smith as our doctor. Dear WhoCast, even though you've been over this before, there is still some confusion regarding the events of the episode Dead Stop, in which the doctor murders Alexander. Everyone seems to be of the opinion that it's fine. The reason behind it was noble, and the Doctor seems unaffected by his actions as he knows he did the right thing. The moral ambiguity surrounding all this is really baffling me still, and I can't see how ITV got away with airing this. How it even got by the draft script stage is beyond me. If this was still on the BBC, I am certain we wouldn't have this sort of thing. ITV seem to want to push forward their own stamp of influence as well as their own boundaries. And it's starting to resemble primeval meets demons, if anyone still remembers that show. Why really did the Doctor kill Alexander? Surely there must have been another way. I hate ITV. They need to sort themselves out very soon. Thanks, Tom. (laughs) Very, very strong opinion there. Yeah, I, th- I think that this goes back to uh, what we were saying before about the uh, the more cerebral um, air that the the eleventh Doctor has has taken on, rather than the, the action hero. These, these are episodes that make you think and question mm. and um, form your own judgments, and um, you know have a really build up your own solid opinion on on morality and cause and effect reasons and repercussions. Um, I I suppose for anyone that hasn't actually seen the episode Dead Stop, when you hear the words Doctor murders Alexander, mm. that really seems very harsh and cruel. But when you finally see the episode, as, as I suppose most of our listeners have by now, because it, it was on a few weeks ago, um, you realise there's a little bit more to it than just, uh, I suppose, cool, calculated murder. And and like you say, Marty, there's a very much a moral feeling to it, and 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 there's very much a feeling of um, maybe the doctor was right to do what he did. Um, I'm 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 still sort of coping with it, and 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 I'm really hoping that maybe the season finale might hint towards some more reasons as to why the eleventh doctor did what he did. Well, there's um, some resolution that's waiting out there somewhere because we're, we're not entirely left clear at the end of Dead Stop what exactly was the the proper motivation. We, we got we got an idea, we got we got a hint that there was a, a good reason, and the universe is still here, so something must have worked. Mm, I'm I'm a bit wary of it though because you remember the episode two after that um, was it Tryon. Um, mm where the Doctor abandoned Jessica. Sure, she'd only been a companion for like one and a half episodes, but the the callous way he just jumped in the TARDIS and raced off in the face of danger sort of makes me think that there's more to this whole Alexander situation than, I suppose, meets the eye. We yeah. We are getting presented with a very callous, very cold and calculating Doctor this time. I mean, even more so than what we used to have with the Seventh Doctor. Mm. Sure, he doesn't know everything that's going on and and, and he is still baffled, but that doesn't seem to stop him making these very dramatic decisions which, which affect a lot of people's lives. So I think the reason why he did the Doctor kill Alexander is for the fact that it made a bloody good story. (laughs) <laughs> it did, it did. I mean, if you have to give it anything, it was a fantastic story, yes. Mm. But, but I still think it's, it's a thing, it's one that you go away from and it just won't leave your head. It's, 
Mm. Still thinking about it weeks and weeks later. I, I tell you, season nine is, 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 has been one of a, a, a season that's really affected me personally, I suppose, because, I mean, it's a season that has challenged my concepts of what Doctor Who is and what the Doctor is as a person. And if anything, during Matt Smith's four-year reign as the Doctor, it's really shown me that um, that the boundaries of Doctor Who can be pushed. Absolutely. That, that it can tell any sort of story that you want to. And my word, this year we've seen some very, very interesting stories. Very much indeed. Completely agree. Mm. So, yeah, so we didn't really answer that, Tom, I'm afraid, but um, if we owe Stephen Moffat and his crew any justice, because they've done us right for the last four years, um, I'm sure he will hopefully resolve that at some point in the future. So um, stick with it, mate. Yeah, here's to it. Mm. Well, that's it for an incredible jam-packed episode of the uh, DW WhoCast episode 354. Brought to you by our good friends at uh, Time Lord magazine, out on your shelves every month, bringing you the latest in Doctor Who news and exciting tidbits and uh, all sorts of stuff like that. So check out the uh, website at uh, timelordmagazine.co.uk. But... Um, Yes, well, we're all looking forward to the uh, finale for season nine, the episode, the final. We're all still gobsmacked over the spume of destiny, um, wondering how the heck that's going to get resolved. Uh, mm. So there's no excuse for you guys not writing in and letting us know what's happening and letting us know what your thoughts are on season nine and the end of the season, because uh, if there's any time for you to write in and let us know, it's now, because there's plenty of questions still unresolved and as per usual there's plenty of ways to get in touch with us here at the WhoCast you can um, post a message on our forums you can post a message on Facebook and you can get us via your neural interface at uh, whocast.jb.com um, you can still get us via email but we're going to be phasing that out very soon so the feedback address won't be um, valid very much anymore because uh most of you don't seem to use email anymore. You seem to be getting the podcast via the neural interface. So that seems to be working rather well. So we'll probably discontinue the email address soon and just rely on the uh, Facebook and forums and uh, various other means. So, um, But we'd love to hear what you think. Audio feedback is always preferred um, because we hate reading out letters. We've been doing this for five years and we still suck at reading out letters. <laughs> so, yeah. Anything to add there, Marty? Um, we will be phasing out um, MP3 feedback um, as, as that itself gets phased out. But you, you can still send in audio feedback via the audio link at the, um, at the address you gave before for the feedback. Very true. It's, it's just like the old-fashioned telephone feedback where you can ring up a number and leave feedback. The audio link just lets you basically visualise the, the stuff that's on your mind, basically, and um, it, it converts it into audio format for us here at the WhoCast. So it makes it very easy to get your thoughts up into the show and uh, out for all our listeners to have a listen to. So no excuse, no excuse, guys and girls. Absolutely. Uh, if you can use the, the, the phase, phase two uh, software, though, um, we still haven't upgraded to phase three. So I know. Marty, you should really <laughs> get onto that, mate. I'm so slack. I'm sorry. It is my fault. I leave you in charge for a month while I go on holiday and I come back and things are still the same. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, I still no, love we'll you, Marty. Don't you soon, worry. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for uh, joining us again. Um, certainly my old standard of thank you for having us between your ears is even more relevant these days with the Audi link. So uh, thank you for having us there. And um, we look forward to having your company for episode 355 next week. Bye-bye, all. Thank you. Take care.
even after five years, he still stayed take care. Isn't that nice? <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> I do care. <laughs> Well, there you go, where it all began, 2009, with uh, my good friend Marty, who, of course, uh, you can hear on every episode of the DWP these days. He's our resident announcer for the episode. So that's where Remembrance of the Spume began, pretty much, didn't it, James? Yeah, that's where it came from, certainly. And uh, I think you're just going to have to wait now, listeners, for another four years <laughs> before we come up with something else or uh, are prepared to just sit down and, uh, and make something up on the fly. Having said that, Trevor, that's not that different to what we do at the moment every week, is it? <laughs> make up stuff as we go along, yeah, yes. pretty much. <laughs> well, we hope you enjoyed that, listeners. Uh, I have to say, after not hearing it for such a long time, it was fun to go back and revisit and just listen to it again and I think I smiled uh, to myself all the way uh, on my daily commutes whilst I was re-listening to that so uh, good stuff it's all about the gravity well people and the master the gravity well and the master beware anyway until next time ladies and gentlemen and other life forms we'll see you next time bye bye you have been wired into the Doctor Who podcast which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com and the DWP Culture Net. Feedback can be ported through to our feedback access junction or... That was the Doctor Who Podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it into feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and via the Doctor Who Podcast forums. Thank you for listening. Take care. Coming up next time on the Doctor Who podcast. What a scandalous dumpster program!